I want us tonight to um, turn to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. For the benefit of those of you who might uh, not have been with us all the time, we've been studying the uh, Sermon on the Mount as it's found in Psalm, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7. We've covered all of chapter 5 and tonight we start with chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount that uh, involves 111 verses in these three chapters. And I just want to say to you tonight before I read the scripture that this, this has been a precious experience to me. I've read the Sermon on the Mount as I know you have many, many times as we've read the Bible for many years. But I never just really got down to business to just look into it and to see what it said. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount has really in recent days been a very precious thing to me. All the great truths of the Bible are mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount. It is like a summary of the whole Old and New Testament put together. It deals with the law and also with the dispensation of grace. It is a wonderful thing. And I want us to look tonight at a few verses. Now, before I read, I want to tell you something that we're going to do. I'm going to read through verse 18. And I want you to look at your Bible. And we're going to leave out verse 9 through 15. This is the model prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus said when you pray, pray like this. And I'm going to leave that out tonight because I want to devote, uh, God willing, next Wednesday night to the disciples' prayer. It's many times called the Lord's Prayer. But it's not the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when ye pray, pray after this manner. So it is the disciples' prayer, the believers' prayer. And as we've mentioned a good many times, the Lord's Prayer, if you want to read that, is found in the 17th chapter of the book of John. That's the Lord's Prayer, and what a great thing it is. But we're going to leave out the, the, the disciples' prayer as we read tonight. And I think you'll see uh, when we read why we're doing that. For one thing, we want to devote a Wednesday evening to a study of the disciples' prayer. Now, I want you to also, before I read... Be looking for a word, because this word outlines the three things that the Lord Jesus talks about in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. Look for the little word, when, because it outlines these three things that we're going to talk to you about tonight. It is found in verse 2. I marked it in my Bible. It is found in verse 5, and it's found in verse 16. Each time the word when is used, it deals with a different subject. And we'll see that tonight. Now let's read from Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. Take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine arms... Do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, 
that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, ye use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Skip down to verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou mayest appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now I want you to see a little bit about the setting for what the Lord is talking about here in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. He deals with three things. He deals with what, what Jesus called the giving of alms. And he deals of the matter with the matter of prayer. In fact, this is the first real teaching of Jesus on the subject of prayer. Now, in the previous chapter, he mentioned prayer. He said, pray for those who despitefully use you. But he didn't deal with the subject of prayer and discuss the subject of prayer. But he does in this chapter. He talks about giving alms and praying. And then a third thing. He talked about the matter of fasting. I want you to see the setting for what the Lord's talking about. In chapter 5, if you remember, the Lord dealt with erroneous doctrine. He more than once said, uh, the Pharisees say unto you, you've heard it said by them of old time. And he talked about what people believed that was wrong, erroneous doctrine. But now when you get into chapter 6, he's talking about something else altogether. He's talking about erroneous practice. And you know, if your doctrine is wrong, your practice will be wrong. If our doctrine be wrong, our behavior will be wrong. So in chapter 5, the Lord dealt with erroneous doctrine and tried to teach us what the Bible really says and not what some men had falsely tried to make it say. But in this chapter, he deals with erroneous practice and people who practiced a good thing but in the wrong way. Now notice these three things. There's wonderful sequence uh, in these three things. He dealt with the matter of alms, as I've said. Now that's man, manward. You see, alms are given to men. I'm not talking about tithing. 
We're not talking about the Christian and his offerings. Alms is altogether another thing in the Bible, as we'll see in just a moment. But the giving of alms is manward. It's a man who has giving to someone who has not. He talked about prayer. That's Godward. That's not manward. Remember that prayer is never directed toward men. It's directed toward God. So prayer is Godward. Then he talked about fasting, and that's selfward. Fasting has to do with you, with me, and with this body. And then these three things deal with three different areas of our life. The giving of alms deals with material things. The matter of prayer deals with the soul. And the matter of fasting deals with the body. And so the Lord is talking about three tremendously important things in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now look at what he said about the giving of alms. He, he said, When thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Their reward was that some man would say, isn't that a wonderful thing that this religious person is giving to someone less fortunate than he is. That's all the reward they get. Jesus is condemning that. He wants us to give alms so as to be rewarded of our Heavenly Father and to have a reward in the life yet to come. Now, I wonder if you've ever thought about the teaching of the Bible on the giving to the poor. I really, I, I know there's some folks in this audience tonight who have given to the poor. But I think I could honestly say not many Christians ever think of the matter of the giving of alms. They just think, well, it's for some remote age, some long time ago, and for some remote people, but not for me. Wrong. The Bible teaches this is a part of a Christian's life. Now notice what the Bible says. God said in Psalm 41 and 1, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. You know, Jesus said, The poor you always have with you. There have always been poor people. There always will be. And the psalmist said, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. Isn't that something that God says if the person remembers the poor, when you're in the time of trouble, God will deliver you. Notice some other verses in the Bible. It's mentioned in the book of Proverbs numerous times. He that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. You know, some folks think you're only happy when you get. But the Bible teaches there's happiness in giving. And the book of Proverbs says, He that hath put pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given will he pay him again. Now you just think of that. God said, He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. When a believer gives to some one less fortunate he is lending 
to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And God says that the Lord will pay him again that which he's given. Now then, I think the Bible makes it plain and clear to whom we should give. I think I could come to some verses tonight and I think it would mention people like widows, offering orphans, elderly people, uh, unfortunate people, maybe people who've suffered tremendous illness and unfortunate circumstances in their life. I'll tell you one thing it does not mean. It does not mean to just give to anyone. You know, Paul, I think, cleared that up when he wrote to the Thessalonican churches, church and said, when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should they eat. And I believe if a person will not work, he is not deserving of the alms and the gifts of other people. And you know, there's a many a person in this old United States tonight that's making a study and a life out of living off of the government. And I know there's some people who need help. And I thank God for what the government does for them. But I want to say to you tonight, the Bible teaches that if a person does not work, if they're lazy, if they're slothful, they are not worthy of the gifts of good people. And Jesus taught not only to whom we're to give, he taught how we're to give. He mentioned the Pharisees who blew the trumpet when they gave. They wanted folks to know all about it. Now, wait just a minute. I don't think that the Lord is really teaching that this is something that's going to always be absolutely secretive. I don't think a person can do this without someone. The recipient's going to know about it at least, and maybe others. But what the Lord is talking about is the motive in the heart when a Christian helps another Christian, another believer. Don't sound the trumpet, Jesus said, in order to get the glory of men. You know, there's some, some terrible things taught in the Bible about people who have wanted to get the glory of men and not give the glory to God. I think of the uh, uh, King Herod who gave a great oration as we're told in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts. Great oration. I don't know what he said. The Bible doesn't record it. But the Bible does say he gave a great oration until the heathen people said, why, those are the words of God. He's like a God. And the Bible says that um, Herod would not give the glory to God. And here's what happened. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. You see, God wants us, when we do something for another, do it because we love him, and we want to be blessed of him, and not because we want men to say, isn't that a wonderful act on the part of that, on the part of that Christian? And if that happens, that's the only reward that a person gets for giving or helping someone else.
The Bible says God resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace unto the humble. That's what the Lord's talking about. When we do something for another, let us not be proud, and let us not sound a trumpet. The Bible says God resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace unto the humble. We were studying in the book of Hebrews in our class uh, just a few days ago. And there in the passage was this wonderful verse in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. You ought to just look at it. It'll bless your heart. For it says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've showed toward his name, in that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. Now look what that verse is saying. God is not unrighteous to forget your works and your labor of love. God remembers it. God will never forget it. But notice what God is talking about. He said, because you've ministered to the saints and do minister. How many folks have you ever heard talking talk about a ministry to the saints? The Bible talks about it, but not many people think about it. That's a great ministry, my friend. And that is ministering to another child of God. And the, the Bible says that God will never forget the labor of love and work of one who ministers to the saints of the Lord. That is, in the matter of helping them, giving to them. Do you know of someone tonight who needs help? And have you been blessed of God till the Lord has just met all of your needs, don't forget the poor. And it's for us today, and the Lord is teaching us we ought to have a part in this. Then Jesus went to the subject of prayer. He said, When you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. All three times, the Lord said here, in each of these things, alms, praying, and uh, fasting, they have their reward. Their reward is men know, men comment, men praise them. That's the end of it. But we want more than that. And the Lord wants more than that for us. He went to the matter of prayer. This is the first teaching uh, of Jesus on the subject of prayer. And you know, I'm just amazed. I'm really amazed that the Lord said there could be hypocrisy in prayer. Had you ever thought of that? The Lord's first discussion on the matter of prayer, and he said, don't do it like the hypocrites do, and teaches us there can be hypocrisy in prayer. You know, sometimes I've asked people to pray uh, in public. And I, I'm, I'm not critical of them, not the least bit in the world. I think I know what they mean. But I've had a many persons say to me, Oh, no, I couldn't pray in public. Well, listen, friend, if you know what prayer is, you won't even know whether it's in public or not. If you can pray in private, you ought to be able to pray in public. Because you're not doing it for men. When a person prays, he or she should have no thought of what others think of our prayer. But it should be directed to God 
from our hearts in humility and sincerity and not even thinking about what other people are thinking about our prayer. Well, I've heard folks preach a sermon in prayer. I heard them, I heard one person, and I'm, I'm, I'm not critical. I know I sound like I, I am, and if, if you'd say this, I'd say you were, so maybe you can go ahead and say I am, but uh, I'm not really. But um, I heard a fellow one time, he wanted, he was praying. He wanted everybody to know uh, how much um, scripture he knew. So he said, now, Lord, you know that it says over there in um, John 6, 37, so-and-so. And he said, Lord, you know that it says over there in Acts chapter 5. And he reminded God uh, uh, of, of the Bible as if God didn't know. And uh, it, there was a feeling he was trying to exploit his knowledge while he was praying and let people know how many verses he knew. But he did it under the guise of uh, reminding God what was in the Word. I think a fellow praying many, many years ago down in the state of Tennessee. There was a great old man of God on the platform, and they called on a fellow to pray. He folded his hands. That's all right. But he started off, Oh, thou great and mighty God of the universe. And the old preacher pulled his coattail and just said, Remember where you came from, brother. In other words, come off that highfalutin stuff. Just talk to God. And just do it as between you and the Lord. That's what Jesus is talking about. So here he teaches there can be such a thing as hypocrisy in prayer. I think there's an illustration of it. You know, the apostle Paul was Saul of Tarsus, and he was a young rabbi. Now, rabbis prayed. I mean, they thought they were praying. But when Paul was saved, and the Lord said to Ananias, you go minister to him. Ananias said, Lord, you know how he is, has um, uh, persecuted people and so forth. And the Lord said to Ananias, behold, he prayeth. This is the first time he ever prayed. Because the first time he'd ever had a heavenly father. But he'd gone through the ritual of prayer many, many times. You see... The Lord doesn't want us to be like that hypocrite and Pharisee in the 18th chapter of the book of Luke when two men went to the temple to pray. One an old sinful publican and the other a Pharisee. The publican smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, I mean, that's putting it right on the line. That's straight. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's, that's all he said. He didn't remind God that he created everything and remind God of how many verses he knew. He said, Lord, remember me. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. The old Pharisee stood over there and started his prayer like this. God, I thank thee I'm not as other men are. And he, he bragged on himself and he said, I'm not an extortioner. I fast twice a week and so forth. And the old publican went out one way to leave the temple. And the Pharisee went out one way. And the Lord said that the publican went home justified. And the Pharisee went home just like he came. Because he prayed to be seen and heard of men. The Lord's talking about sincerity in the matter of prayer. Well, a lot of other things about prayer and what he said. 
I think a place of prayer is suggested. He said, Thou, when thou enterest into thy closet. I think this is indicating a place of prayer. When you enter into your closet, Jesus said, and you know, Jesus had a place of prayer. You read through the Gospels and you'll find that it was the Mount of Olives uh, many, many times. For instance, in Luke 22, 39, we read, And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And the next few verses deal with the matter of prayer. Jesus had a place of prayer. You need that. Oh, I believe that, that Christians ought to pray together. I know they should. Jesus said, If any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done of my Father which is in heaven. But I'm telling you, I believe God wants a person to have a secret place of prayer. Well, I think of old Dr. Henry Joel Hankins telling of his old country mother down in Arkansas with her long gingham dresses right down to the ground and her long hair done up in a knot on the back of her head and she had a place of prayer. She'd go out by the little old smokehouse. That's where they cured the meat, the country people. She'd go out there. She'd get down on her knees and call on God all alone. One day, one of the Hankins boys was very ill, and they called the doctor, and the doctor said to Mr. Hankins, Why, your son, uh, your son is dead. And he listened for his breath and couldn't hear it. And he said, Your son's dead. Mr. Hankins said to, to Henry Joe Hankins, a young boy who became a great preacher in his later life, he said to him, uh, Oh, I dread to tell your ma. Uh, Henry, will you go tell your ma? Tell him, tell her that Charles is dead. I just can't do it. Will you do it? Will you go tell her? And he said, uh, Henry Joe Hankins, a young boy, said to his dad, Dad, let's both go. They went out and found her by the smokehouse, and she was praying because she knew her son had been very ill. And they heard her praying, and they said to her, Ma, Charles is dead. And Dr. Henry Joe Hankins said, That dear old country woman, godly mother, got up and kind of stumped one of her feet and said, He's not dead. He's not dead. I prayed God to raise him up. And God has told me that he'd raised him up. He's, he's not dead. Oh, yes, Ma. Charles is dead. She went into the house. She went over. They pulled the cover up over Charles's face, the doctor had. She went over. She jerked that the cover down. And she said, Charles, you get up from there. And Charles raised up because Charles wasn't dead. And the reason Charles wasn't dead it's because it was somebody who knew how to get a hold of God. Oh, let me tell you, there's nothing in this world like the, the place of prayer. I think the Lord here is teaching us something about the privacy of prayer. Like I said, we pray together. We pray, families pray, churches pray, uh, groups of Christians pray. But the Lord said when you pray, enter into your closet, close the door, close the door. Close the door. That means God wants a Christian to have a private prayer life. The Lord also teaches us here something about the privilege of prayer. Notice what he said. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. 
and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Jesus saying, God will hear. God answers. It's the promise of the word of God that the Lord will hear and answer prayer. Now notice the third thing. Giving of alms was manward. It had to do with giving to people. Praying was Godward and had to do with the soul. But the Lord talked about something else. And I'm, I'm afraid many, many of the Lord's people have never had any experience with it and do not really know uh, what a blessing it can be. And that's the matter of fasting. He said, now when you fast, uh, don't disfigure your countenance and face and so that men say, oh, it looks like he's been fasting. Isn't that wonderful? He said, have a bright countenance. Anoint your face and, and wash yourself. And uh, In other words, he said, come out smiling. That's what he's saying. Don't come out with some long look on your face and, and appear unto men that you're fasting. You know, friends, fasting is false. You know why I believe that? Because Jesus said, when he fasts. Do you believe this Bible is for you? Then the Lord says, when ye fast. And I'm, I think he's teaching fasting is for us. There's a reason uh, for fasting. I think of that tremendous occasion when the Lord went upon the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah came down from heaven. One had been dead. Uh, one had been in heaven 900 years. Um, one never died. Elijah didn't. The other had been in heaven 1,500 years. And they came that day in heaven opened. The Lord stood there with Peter, James, and John. And this great summit meeting took place. And the Lord was transfigured before them on that mount. But wait a minute. They come down from the mount. And down from the mount is a valley. And down there there's a multitude gathered. And there's a father there who brought a son and that sun was foaming at the mouth and writhing on the ground and was full of demons and the devil had complete control of him. And the father sadly said, I brought him unto thy disciples, but they could not. Jesus spoke to the boy and the devil tore him, the Bible says, but the, the Satan was cast out of him and the boy was restored and the disciples marveled. And they said to Jesus, Why could we not do this? And Jesus said to them, This kind cometh not out except by fasting and by prayer. And I think the Lord is teaching us here that in times of extremity and in times of great need in our lives, that the way to get it is to fast and pray. This kind cometh not out, he said, except by fasting and praying. I, I thought of a little, little woman, God bless her, in the Bible. And I suppose if I'd mention her name tonight, I, I, I guess a lot of folks wouldn't, wouldn't really know where to look for her in the Bible. But uh, her name was Anna, A-N-N-A. And she's found in the second chapter of the book of Luke, and Hannah was 84 years old, the Bible says. And she just loved the Lord and she served God in the temple. And the Lord let her live to see, God let her live to see the Lord Jesus born in Bethlehem. 
and to let her see the little babe that Jesus brought to the temple. And then I think God tells us why he allowed her this great privilege. She praised the Lord when she saw Jesus had been born and the scriptures had been fulfilled and the Savior had come. She praised the Lord. Here's what the Bible said about Anna. She served God with fasting and prayers night and day and the Lord was good to her because of it and let her live to see the birth of the Lord Jesus and his dedication in the temple. Oh, well, the greatest example of fasting in the Bible is that of Jesus himself. We all read about the temptation of Jesus when the perfect Savior overcame Satan in his three horrible onslaughts as he railed against Jesus as he has never railed against anyone else. But we sometimes forget the scripture says then was Jesus led up the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted the devil and when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. You know if the Lord Jesus felt it was necessary to enter into this I'm sure every one of us must say tonight if he needed it I need it more. The matter of fasting and prayer and waiting on God. Shall we pray?